been faithful in our lives. Maybe times when we didn't know how things were going to turn out and we said, God, without you, it's hopeless. And God showed up. Amen. Maybe there was a time of illness. You said, God, I just need you to touch me. And you begin to feel your touch, his touch in your body. After our rehearsal this morning, Meredith was sharing about uh, them going through the process of selling their home and the frustrations and the uh, different stresses. And then she said this, but I've learned and I've seen 
every prayer that we prayed along the way, God has showed up and answered. Amen. Give the Lord praise for that. That's all right. Because he is faithful. Amen.
for his faithfulness and his goodness. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for those of you that have joined us online. Uh, thank you so much for making it part of your weekend, part of your Sunday morning to worship with us. As we prepare, we're going to be in James chapter 13, or chapter 3. There is no James chapter 13. You guys have been looking a long time for that one. Uh, James chapter 3. And um, as you guys are, are looking that up and uh, getting prepared, there is the, in, your, in your bulletin this morning the notes that are there. On the back of that, there is a, a little ad for our VBS at BCC. So Vacation Bible School is coming up just around uh, the corner. It's going to be July 26th through the 30th, Monday through Friday, from 6 to 8.30. Uh, there is a volunteer sign-up sheet in the lobby uh, the idea of that being out there is so that you will put your name on there and, and volunteer and say, hey, I can help. And maybe you can't help every night, but you can help. Maybe you can be a, a team lead or something. So the theme is Mega Sports Camp and going to be having a lot of fun. There's also a fundraising board just out the doors to the left. And you'll see a big trifold uh, board there. And there's some instructions on it, but there are 50 envelopes on that board numbered 1 through 50. And so the idea is that everyone can participate in helping uh, sponsor the uh, VBS. And so you take a number, and that number is the dollar amount that you give. So, uh, you know, sometimes we'll have kids, you know, take, take a, a dollar or two dollars or three dollars and give, give some money out of their uh, uh, funds that they get from, uh, from their parents or whoever. And uh, some, maybe you can take the $50, the 49 And so take that, write your name on that envelope if if you want to, and put, the, put that check or um, cash in there. Uh, or you can go online at our Breeze app, and you can uh, pay, pay that there, donate that there. But still put your, put your name on that. And then all of those envelopes go into um, a bucket, and uh, there's going to be a prize given away. They're going to draw one of those uh, envelopes for a prize just to say thank you for everyone who can donate. So if, if, we can, if we do all of those envelopes, and this is pretty amazing, we do all of those envelopes, I think it comes out to right at 50 bu- or 500 bucks for, uh, for that. And so if everybody gets a, gives a little, then we get a lot. And that's a good way to do that. Amen? Amen. All right. I had six or seven say amen. So that means the rest of you are still thinking about the envelope, right? <laughs> all right. James chapter 3 is where we're going to be. Uh, this morning. So there seems to be only one place where it's appropriate and acceptable to stick your tongue out at somebody, right? I mean, go ahead, turn to your neighbor and stick your tongue out at them. Yeah, see. For some of you, that's just awkward. 
right? That's just weird. Uh, for some of you, it's fun. My, my, my little two-year-old started doing things with his tongue, and the big, he licks the screen door, you know, the screen. Not the glass, which, you know, okay, but the screen. For whatever reason, you know, he's, he's gotten into that, and, you know, two-year-olds, they have a funny way of finding things. So let me digress for a moment. Um, this isn't part of the notes, but... So I, I'm, you know, I'm getting him dressed. Luca, I'm getting him dressed and putting his socks on. And I noticed that this, <clears throat> excuse me, this sock has an L on it. That's what, that, that makes sense, doesn't it, Elaine? Left. So I pulled out the other one, and it's got an L on it as well. And I said, oh, somebody must have mismatched these socks. So I went to his sock drawer, and I'm looking through, and I'm like, they all have L's on them. What, does, the, does the washing machine only eat the right sock, Right? Well, this is a cruel joke because L is the name brand or the brand. So that's the logo. So are there any other dads here that can make me feel a little better about myself that said, I did the same thing? Okay, I guess so. That is crazy, you know. It's like the diapers, you know, the diapers. The diapers uh, we use, so on the front, it says front. Now, you know they put that there for dads, Right? right? Front. Like, well, how dumb do you think I am? Well, you're dumb enough to look for the right sock, right? So anyway, great fun times and fun things you do with kids. You know, when, when my first one was growing up, baby socks, they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't have brand names on them with just an L. So I didn't know, but now I know, and now I feel smarter about that. So I'm with all of you intelligent folks now. So back to the tongue. So there seems to be one place <laughs> where people can stick their tongue out, and that's a, that's a doctor's office, right? And in fact, the doctor might ask you or compel you, stick your tongue out, let me see. And they put the tongue depressor on. Sometimes they move it around. Sometimes they, you know, touch your uvula back there and make you kind of wish you, they hadn't. And uh, so, so they're doing this, and they're checking this out. And it's kind of interesting, actually kind of amazing, that a doctor can detect evidence on your tongue of a problem that is elsewhere in your body. That's, that's kind of cool. They have the ability to identify from what is seen a crisis that may be remaining unseen in your body. Pretty amazing, right? The passage we're going to look at today, it reveals what is true in the physical sense is also true in the spiritual sense. Our tongues have a way of being real-time evidence of the condition of our spirit and thereby our relation to God. So today, we're going to talk, today and next week, this is a two-part series, we're going to be talking about tongue trouble, what your speech says about your heart. What your speech says about your heart. Uh, in fact, verse 26 of this same chapter uh, chapter 1, James sketches this outline for the picture that we're going to draw. And he says this, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, there's, the, there's our word, does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is what? Worthless. Worthless. So he ties this uh, uh, idea together that, you know, if, if you are, and, and we don't like the word religious in our, in our world, you know, uh, because of all the con- context and, and things that it means. So, uh, but he's saying, you know, you, if you're saying you consider yourself to be Christ-like, if you consider yourself to be someone who is a worker of good, and you don't keep a tight ring on your tongue, 
you're, you're just deceived. And in fact, all the good that you do is worthless, worthless. Now that, uh, you know, tends to make us think sometimes and makes us think about somebody else. And right now you may be thinking, man, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this this morning. But, um, you know, one of the characteristic marks of the believer is that they control their tongue. But before we have time to even point our fingers at anybody else or in another direction, let's look at what verse 2 of our current text says, and it'll be on our screen. It's also in your, in your notes. Because um, we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone is never at fault in what he says, and there's my parenthetical there, what he communicates, right? We have a lot of ways in our world in which we communicate. It's not just what we say. It's about what we post. It's about what we share, right? It's about what we tweet, all these other things, all these other ways. It's about the emails that we send, all of these things that we, we communicate with. We have all kinds of communication. If anyone is never at fault in what he says or communicates, he is a perfect man or a perfect person, able to keep his whole body in check. Pretty cool, right? So the scripture is pretty clear about this. Now look at this scripture. I want you to look at it. Here's what I would like to do. In light of this scripture, if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he or she is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So I would like to invite all the perfect people to stand. <laughs> Look around. Now, I'm not a prophet, but this is what I predicted would happen right? Here's the thing. You and I have just pronounced ourselves guilty. How about that? We have all just pronounced ourselves guilty. We're guilty of violating God's holiness. We're guilty of violating his purity with what we say or in other ways that we communicate. So with that being true, then it is important that you and I get a good understanding of what the Lord would have us to do about this sin, the tongue trouble. It's so obvious that since no one stood, this thing must be a pandemic in our church. It plagues our whole church, Ryan. Nobody stood. I mean, it must be plaguing our homes and plaguing our lives as individuals. So we have, before God and before each other, say we're all in the same boat together. We are guilty. So let's turn our attentions to James chapter 3 to see what the diagnosis is that the apostle has to offer. There are three very pointed teachings from this passage that we'll hear from God. We're going to do two this week and one next week. But as he said earlier, the book of James, chapter 1, verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves, but do what it says. So here's the three things that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the tiny tongue and how it creates powerful paths, untamable trouble, and uncovers what we'd rather conceal. So let's start with number one. Everybody say number one. Number one is this. The tiny tongue creates powerful paths. The tiny tongue creates powerful paths. So your fill in there is create. And I think I want us to understand that our tongue and what we say has a way to create things. Now we're not like God in that uh, we have this unlimited power to create something out of nothing at, at our spoken word, right? I mean, that's not what we do. We don't go around doing that. Um, but God did give us power in what we speak to bring things about in our world. Now, not in some kind of mystical way, 
but in a way that should honor God, but many times, as we will see, doesn't honor God. So your tongue creates. Your tongue creates feelings in others. Your tongue creates um, words that people live by. Your tongue can, can cause and set a child's life either very positively or very negatively. Some of you perhaps grew up in a home where the words that were used still ring in your ears and in your head today of how it tells you that maybe you were no good or not going to amount to anything. Then others of you are very appreciative of the fact that you were raised in a home where you were encouraged, where you were given words that help move you along and grow you. So we see that words have the power to create. And that's what I want us to understand. And in this particular uh, portion... It creates powerful paths, powerful paths in our life. Here's what the scripture says. In verse 3, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. It's a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. And then James uses a couple of illustrations, and they're just neutral illustrations, to help us understand what he's talking about. So his first illustration is a horse. James chapter 3, verse 3, as we're just following along, says, when we put a bit into the mouth of a horse, we do so to make it obey us, and then we can turn the whole animal. So again, he's saying, the power of the tongue has a way to direct the path. It's very powerful in creating these paths. And he said, here's something you'll understand. You can take a horse. It can be a very large horse, a very powerful horse, a very, very muscular horse. And you put the bit in its mouth. And that bit helps the rider direct the horse. That little bit that the horse could very easily stomp to, a, to oblivion uh, that doesn't weigh nearly what the horse does, has no innate power of its own, but placed in the perfect position can cause the horse to turn, can cause the horse to go one way or another. And that's, so that's what he's saying. He said, you'll understand this, that in the same way that the bit in the horse's mouth has a way of directing and creating that horse's path, so your tongue does the same thing for your life. You see, it is, it's proportionally small when you look at how big the, other, the animal is and how great this creature is. The second thing that he uses is seen in verse 4. He said, or take a ship as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, whichever way the pilot wants to go. Again, he draws their attention to the, to the seaboard, and he says, so you've got these great ships out there, and they, they have great sails on them, but all of that power of the wind and all of the strength of the boat is guided by this one little rudder. So he's telling us that our tongue can be like a bit in the horse's mouth, can be like the rudder on a ship, and he wants us to understand how something very small can control something very large. So he's helping us Get the concept and painting the picture for you and for me that we understand that this little thing behind our teeth called the tongue has a way of directing something very big and very large, which is your entire life. And not only your life, but the life of others. So those are the examples that he uses. So you find that, you know, this massive cruise ship, essentially, which is a, a, flatty, a, a, a floating hotel, really, is guided by this small piece of steel known as the rudder. Both of these illustrations have the same idea. 
there is a disproportional impact between the size of the steering device and the largeness of the thing being steered. I'll let you get the fill in there. So we've all got that picture, say amen. All right. So this little device controls this big horse. This little device controls this huge ship. It's, it's, it's really disproportionate in how it would do that control. Both of these illustrations are neutral. He's not saying there's anything wrong with the bit in the horse's mouth. There's nothing wrong with the rudder that's on a ship. It's just a neutral illustration to help us, suggesting that the tongue can be used for good or evil, right? Isn't that a good thing to know right now? Yeah, it can be used for good or evil. And of course, history bears this out. Some of you will remember uh, the words on January 20th, 1961, from what one writer proclaimed was the speech that America will never forget, when the newly elected President John F. Kennedy said these words, ask not what your country can do for you, but... Right. I see some of you know that, but what you can do for your country. It was words that uh, motivated an entire generation. And that shows the power of of words to move people in a direction. Uh, Let me give you one other illustration. Words that were penned by the British sailor John Henry Newton, who through the work of Christ had become utterly remorseful that he had been an instrument of the slave trade in the 18th century. And seeing what he had done, and seeing the lives that he had wrecked and hurt, he wrote these words. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. Those words penned since that day, and the songs that have been sang even in churches till today, have a way of reminding us that even at our best, we are in such need of the grace of God. And it reminds us of, of the story of him seeing an injustice, something that was wrong, and the Spirit of God letting him know this is not where you need to be. It's a great story as he repented of his ways and as he turned and began to set the course of his life straight. While the, muni- the communication process that we use can be used in a positive way, it's quickly apparent that this isn't what James is talking about, all right? So he's writing this to the church, and he's sending it to them, and the reason that he's sending them to, uh, this to them is because there's a little tongue trouble going on in the church. In fact, maybe like we all admitted our guilt earlier, uh, James, being the disciple of Christ, says, you know what, I, I know it's there, I've heard it, I've been there, I have seen this. So here's what he says And it's on the screen, and I want us to really hear the words of the Lord. He says, Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Now, we're aware of this, right? We're aware that we've heard the California fires, West Coast fires, different fires that happen. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of his life on fire, and check this out, and it itself is set on fire by hell. Probably don't need to give much commentary on that, right? We'll just give the altar call, right? (laughs) Uh, 
Think about that. And this is always interesting when we see that these letters are being written to a church and that the disciple or the apostle that's writing these is dealing with an issue in the church. He's dealing with something that's going on. And of course, God oversaw this writing and it comes to us today. And the reason, one of the reasons it comes to us today and has stood the test of time is because no matter what generation you're in, no matter what country you're in, no matter where in the world that you are in whatever church, this can become an issue. No matter how far you've grown in your life with Christ, you can find an unruly tongue sometimes. Right? Somebody say amen. It's okay. We're all, remember, we're all guilty. We're all in the same boat. So it's okay to say amen. Nobody's going to look at you and think, well, what, what's she been doing? Right? Just, just amen. It's, you're just agreeing with the truth of Scripture. So, like a spark can ignite a blaze that destroys thousands of acres of beautiful forest, the tongue is a fire that can speak the language of hell. Think about that. Um, there's a subtle illustration that I want to pull from this. The word that he uses here is Gehenna, uh, that's often translated hell. But there was a place in the uh, Hinnom Valley, south of Jerusalem. It was basically their garbage dump. Garbage and filth were burned there. And it was known to be a stinky, smoldering trash dump. That is the picture that this church got when he said, your tongue is set afire by hell. He said, your tongue is a stinky, smoldering trash dump. Now, that don't get mad at me. I'm just the messenger, okay? I didn't say this. I'm just telling you. He is so concerned about how this church is using the power of their tongue and the words they speak. And he's concerned about the path that some of them are creating for themselves. He's concerned about the path that some of them are creating for their children. He's concerned about the path that they are creating for other believers. And he says this about their tongue. It's a stinky, smoldering trash pile. Now, I don't know what all was being said. I don't know what all was going on. I don't know what all kinds of communication it was. But he deals with it in a very, very uh, direct and picturesque manner. And I think we would behoove us to understand this so we can ask the question, what does God hear when he hears me speak? What does God read when he reads my emails? By the way, God reads your emails. God sees every post on Facebook. <laughs> you know, God, Believe it or not, God has read every one of your tweets. Wow, can you imagine that? right? Uh, I'll just take it one, one, one step further. God's also heard everything you've ever thought. Okay, right? I'm not doing that to make us feel more guilty. We already know we're guilty, right? But I think having an awareness that God hears, God knows all of that. And, and you know, when I think about that and realize that, I think, you know, what, what am I saying? What am I communicating? And what am I thinking that, that's displeasing to God? And that's what this passage does for us. It brings us back to this place to where we can say, oh, am I honoring God with what I say? Am I honoring God with the words that I write, with the words that I speak, with the posts that I, I, I put out there, with the, the, the tweets that I tweet? Is that right? Or the, the grams that I instant? Can I, can I do that? Or, you know, the ticks that I talk? I just keep on going, right? Just on, I'm on a roll now. Uh, 
All right, all of these things that we have to be aware of. So the tongue, here's what the tongue does. Now listen to this. The tongue turns calm into chaos. It introduces tension in a moment. It rages with destruction through anger and assassinates others with slander and gossip. By the fires of ridicule, sarcasm, and crudeness, other lives are set ablaze by what we say. And let's not forget the ruining of oneself by the language of complaining or irritable, bitter, and argumentative speech. All of those things are things that we could take time and go to Scripture and work through every one. But I don't think we need to. I think we understand all of those things violate God's principles for how we use our tongue, how we talk, how we speak, how we speak to one another, how we speak to God, and and how we speak to ourselves. All of that. So tongue trouble can set your entire course of your life on fire. And God wants to deal with that in all of our lives. So this brings us to our second teaching from this passage. The second one is that this tiny tongue creates untamable trouble. Untamable trouble. Now, um, I'm sure I could use several illustrations from my own life about when my tongue did this, but I would rather use illustrations from your life to... No, I'm just kidding. We all know that there have been times we wish we could take back what we had just said, right? Anybody done that? Right. We wish we could somehow pull it back in, you know, and sometimes we constantly, or we'll just go over ourselves, working over ourselves to apologize to somebody for what we said, or, or maybe something that we should have said that we didn't, you know, whichever way that, that works in our life. But we know that the tongue can cause untamable trouble. And verse 8 speaks directly to this. So I'll give you a chance to look at verse 8. It says this, but no one, somebody say no one. No one can tame the tongue. How about that? So we know, so follow me. He's working through this. He says, this, can, this tongue thing can create pathways, and it can be set on fire by hell. You can use the language of the devil uh, it, with your tongue, and you can ruin your life. You can ruin, ruin other people's lives. And then he says, you know, and I want to give you some news that you can't tame this tongue. It's like, whoa. Well, why bring it up then, right? If I really can't do anything about it, why bring it up? Because he's going to help us understand this. It literally says that among human beings, no one has the power to tame the tongue. So we do not have... Now, we can make changes in our life. We can um, sometimes decide we're going to make... um, We're going to alter the way that we say things or speak. and, And if we work really hard, we can do that. But you know... That there are situations that you might get into that that quick triggers that untamable tongue to cause some problems, right? Right? I mean, it can be that quick. And, and you might even say to yourself, I don't, I don't even know where that came from. Right? Here, here's why. Because we can't tame this thing. It almost has a life of its own sometimes. We don't have the power. You may be able to curtail some of its destructive uses, but you will never gain control by simple willpower. It's impossible to tame except through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why what we say and what we think 
needs to be submitted to the Lordship of Christ, right? So to illustrate this, James takes us to the circus. Look at verse 7. He says, all kinds of animals, all kinds of birds, reptiles, even creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. Right? So he takes us to the circus. He says, here's all these things that, that, that goes. I remember I was probably about six or seven years old, the first time I ever attended a Barnum and Bailey circus. How many of you remember those? Right? And so and I went there, and you can see all of these different animals and things that they would do. And I was just, I remember being amazed at all of this. So hawks and pigeons, they have been trained by their handlers, right, to do, to do pretty awesome things. But no one can tame the flight of the tongue. One can play on his pipes to raise the snake out of the basket, but no one can tame the serpent of the soul that finds its expression in the tongue. At a circus, the crack of a whip tames the tiger, but there is no strong man who is able to tame the tongue. And that's what he's saying. All the animals, all these things you see can be tamed, but no one can tame the tongue. And he's not really finished yet. In addition to the tongue being a corrupt influence that personifies a world of evil and a small muscle that sets our life ablaze, he now says this. In verse 8, it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. A restless evil full of deadly poison. It's restless. It never takes a break from partnering with evil. Author and speaker Alistair Begg says this, Every sort of evil found in the world finds an ally in an uncontrolled tongue by reporting, reinforcing, or spreading it far and wide. This concept is also found in Paul's writings in Romans chapter 1, in which the Apostle Paul said that they were, here, here's uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 25 and following, filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity, they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. They exchange the truth of God for a lie and serve the creature instead of the creator. Do you hear how many of those things were sins of the tongue? It's an amazing thing. It's clear that James isn't talking about just this kind of isolated incident. James is talking to people who were not giving regard to what they were saying, and it was offending to God. It was offending to God. It was offending the Christ that died on the cross for them. In fact, they're using words and they're using communication in a sinful way, the same kind of sin that nailed the Savior to the cross. And that's what he's trying to get at with this. So it's clear that's not what he's talking about, just one isolated incident. He's talking about an unbridled tongue. The trouble of the tiny tongue is so large that James describes it, that it's described in Scripture as a deadly poison. Think about that. A deadly poison. My, uh, my family, I, I'm, I'm first generation out of Appalachia. So um, all my family, my immediate family was, was in the Appalachian areas. And I remember um, we'd visit in, in Kentucky and places. We had to be careful when we go hiking or go, go out on the farm. 
And there were a couple times where we would stop because we would hear that familiar, familiar rattling sound. And we knew that there was a rattlesnake close. Um, and he was letting us know that we were getting a little too close, which we obliged him and backed up, right? Um, you know, I'm not taking up any, any serpents at that point. Um, my dad one time was, uh, he was playing ball and went to, went to get a ball and it kind of fell over in a place and he, he reached down to get that and looked and it was a, it was a copperhead's nest. And I said, well, what'd you do? He said, I backed out slowly and left the ball. <laughs> you know, so he's teaching me a very important lesson. Uh, some things aren't worth it, right? Here's this idea that, that he tells us, that the tongue can be full of this deadly poison. It's like getting, getting bit by a venomous snake. And how many times, I'm just going to ask you, that, how many times have you been the recipient of that venom from somebody? Right? Yeah. We know it hurts. We know what it feels like. And sometimes that venom really does stuff to us. But many times we don't think about ourselves in, in reciprocating that, right? How many times have we been uh, the one introducing venom? And, and we, none of us like to think of ourselves as being someone who would do that, right? Uh, we, we, want to, we, we want to be good speakers. We want to be people who encourage others. But I think it's important for you and I to think about not only times that we have been uh, injected with venom, injected with poison, but are there times that we have done that to others? And just because someone does that to me, does that give me the right to return the favor? No. Do I feel like it does? Yes. I do, right? Someone strikes out at me, what's good for the goose, good for the gander, right? I mean, that's come back at them. I mean, that's, that's the human tendency. That's the human nature to want to do these things. But he tells us, be aware that this tiny tongue is so large in its destructiveness, it's deadly. It's as if behind our teeth, this small muscle is laced with cyanide. In fact, here's what Paul said, Romans 3.13. Listen to this. This is pretty incredible. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Man, doesn't that paint a picture? Right? So, here's the question. So if we can't tame it, but we know it's there and it's a sin, I mean, it's, it's a sin, it's spelled out. Let's not, let's not try to sugarcoat this, okay? It's a sin. It's the sins of the tongue. What are we to do, right? So you can turn to your neighbor and say, so what are we to do? What are we to do? What are we going to do? Turn and look back at him and say, shut your mouth. No, no. <laughs> Let's not fight. All right. Okay. So are we going to try just our best to get our tongues under control? You can. That might be a good effort, but your end goal will never be realized. It's somewhat of an exercise in futility if you are just going to depend on yourself. Should we just ignore it and hope it goes away? Uh, that only makes it worse, right? It's not going anywhere. Here's the issue. It's a spiritual matter. So it's got to be dealt with at the painful level of surrender and humility. Surrender and humility. Surrender and humility. Did I mention surrender and humility, right? It, these, these are the things. So I'm going to give you four suggestions. 
that we can begin to use immediately, like now and throughout the day and throughout your week, right? I, I don't want to just give you the problem, but let me help with a solution. So here are the four things. First of all is to reflect. Reflect. What is the source of your troubled tongue? Where do those angry, hateful words come from? What is the resource of your retaliation, your slander, your gossip, your negativity, maybe even your deceitfulness? Let's take a moment and just think about this. And there's room for you to write stuff down. (laughs) Maybe you don't want to put it in writing. But anyway, there's there's room there if you want to reflect as I kind of walk through this. If you're honest before God in your time of reflecting... If you stick out your tongue in the mirror of God's word, what are you going to see? You're going to find that there is a heart issue. Now, that might surprise you. I don't mean this blood-pumping muscle in our chest. I mean our heart for God, our heart with God. So many of these things come back to a heart issue that we need to surrender in humility before God. Um, we're going to address the heart issue in a broader way next week. But this week, I want you to think about this first thing, reflecting. Right now, what is the source of your tongue trouble? You know, um, I've had folks tell me, yeah, I, I came out of, uh, spent all this time in the military, and man, we just cussed all the time, and then, and then I found the Lord, and it has just been a tough habit for me to break, right? Well, this is the first thing you do. We reflect, okay, so I picked this habit up in an atmosphere that didn't honor God. So, you know, we want to change that atmosphere. We want to allow the Word of God to begin to change us because we want to respond to what God says. We ask the Holy Spirit for help, right? So reflecting, where does this come from? Does it only happen when you're angry? Then, then you need to go before God and, and, and admit that and reflect on where is this anger coming from. Most likely, there's a heart issue somewhere. What about your gossip? Do you find yourselves just... Some people just find themselves drawn to gossip. I mean, they love it. It's like, yes! They can't wait to get the new... Somebody spill the tea for me so I can, you know, so I can get this. And they're just drawn to it. And after they get involved with it and walk away, they're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, I'm speaking to somebody. <laughs> uh, listen, it happens. Part of it is, is how we're built in, in our personalities. But that has to be surrendered to the Lordship of Christ once again. You know, Sometimes we, we need to ask God to help us identify before we get there, right? Because you, you get in the middle of a conversation and think, oh no, how do I get out of this, right? Yeah, you either get out. I mean, there have been times where I said, okay, I'm sorry, I got to stop because, uh, and I'm going to excuse myself, because this is going into areas that I don't think is pleasing to God. What, do you think you're more spiritual? Nope, I just think I'm prone to being sinful, and I want to remove myself, right? That's it. I'm not saying anything about you. I'm dealing with what Willie has to deal with between me and God. So it's a matter of reflecting. Where do these things come from? How about negativity? Are you a deceitful person? Do you try to tell just enough of the truth to make somebody think something or think in a way that's not really the way it is? Okay, that's deceitfulness. That's satanic talk. 
That's what Satan, that's the trick of Satan. You know, we have to reflect on this stuff. Where does this, where does this come from? Well, you know, again, it's a heart situation. So the first one is reflect. Everybody say reflect. Good. Second is to relent. And all of these will be given with an R. Be a nice, nice alliteration. Relent. Everybody say relent. This is to yield. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to relent. We're going to yield our excuses. How about that? Yield your excuse. Because we are really great at coming up with excuses for why we do wrong things. Okay, I got two amens. Let me just say it this way. I am really good at coming up with excuses for why I do wrong things. Maybe you're beyond that. Good for you. You can preach next week. Um, you know, but I can, I, can come up with the, I can come up with really good excuses. You know, and then you kind of hear God say, uh-huh, yeah. So when you're done making your excuses, we can talk. Like, I, I'd rather make excuses because I know where this talk's going, God, you know. So we've got to give up our excuses. We've got to relent and say, hey, you know what? I'm done making excuses. I'm done with that. I'm going to go on. Um, sure, there may be situations. There may be context where discussions are necessary. But too often, we make our really big sins and push them through really small holes. Okay, and what I mean is that you've got a hole for a discussion like this, but somehow that hole becomes a sin this big that turns into more than discussion, right? It turns into a lot of other things, right? But you guys say, not today, not this week, not anymore with the help of the Holy Spirit. Number three, everybody say refuse. You know, um, Nike came up with just do it. Uh, this is just don't do it. How about that? Let's put that on the t-shirt, right? Just don't do it, you know? Um, just say no to being a participant in ungodly speech, you know? So when you begin to hear it come out, Holy Spirit, help me and train myself, and sometimes it might be embarrassing to stop in the middle of a sentence, and whoever you're talking to say, I can't say that because, well, quite frankly, it's sin, and I'm trying to please God, and the Holy Spirit's helping me. And they're like, whoa. What crazy wagon did you just get off of? Hey, you know, it's all right. And here, here's our fourth one. Repent. How about that? How about repent? You guys knew that was coming, didn't you? All right, some of you already, already had it filled in. You're like, that should have been number one, preacher. All right. Oh, yeah, is that, that Gisette Elaine? Uh-huh. All right. You know, um, it's not just saying I'm sorry. That's saying I'm sorry. Repenting is turning away. It's turning your back on it, turning towards God. I love this, uh, Promise Keepers, when, when it was a, a national event. Larry Jackson was a speaker, and he made this statement, and it has resounded with me. He says this, God doesn't save you from your friends. He saves you from your enemies. The problem is that you've made your sin your friend. God doesn't save you from your friend. He saves you from your enemies. The problem is you've made your sin your friend. You've become just so accustomed to saying whatever you want to say and, and diving in with words and post and all this kind of stuff without consideration about what does God think of this. So you have to make your, your enemy sin because anything that put Christ on the cross should be an enemy of the child of God. Amen? 
So I want to leave you with this verse, and this is a prayer. You can go ahead and bring that up. Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a guard. Right? A guard. I, I want a... Uh, I want a well-arsenaled soldier. (laughs) Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. There have been times before going into a situation that I have prayed this prayer. And there have been times that I should have (laughs) prayed this prayer. (laughs) Amen? I mean, uh, hey, you know... Um, but it's a way of saying, God, help me and help me bring control to what I say, to what I speak. Set a guard. And I know it sounds funny, but set a well-arsenaled soldier, God, right over my mouth, right? Um, Keep a watch over the doors of my lips. I don't want that. I don't want venom getting out. I don't want poison getting out. I don't want it affecting my life. I don't want it affecting the life of my kids. I don't want it affecting other people. I want to be the opposite. So with each and every one of us, I think where we're at is that we have to reflect. I'm going to tell you this. Let me throw this out to you. Um, We can reach a point where we think, well, this is a good message, but it really doesn't affect me that much. Okay, first of all, if you have to say that much, okay, that means it's affecting you, right? But I will, I, I would challenge you to really sit quietly before God and say, God, I'll take up that challenge. Show me where I'm missing the mark with my tongue. Show me where I'm posting things, or maybe, maybe I'm not saying the things that you have commanded me to say. That would be a sin of omission, right? Not doing what we're known to do. And I think you will meet God in a way that might surprise you. Let me pray for us. God, I want to thank you that your word speaks so clearly to us about how we use the power of our tongue. And God, I pray for us as a church that we are become a people uh, and we continue our growth towards being people that speak with excellence and that we speak things that are uplifting and even bad news can be delivered with the grace and the mercy of of your word and a heart that reflects you. God, I challenge all of us, myself included, to take some time to reflect on how we may better use our tongue, our words, our communication for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for not walking out on me. (laughs) Appreciate that so much. Uh, We are going to take a moment and we are going to offer the Lord a gift, an offering to the Lord. So if you have a, amen. If you, I'll give you a moment to give your, get your um, um, gift ready. I know some of you, uh, a growing number of you are giving uh, on our online platform. And if you'd like to download the Breeze app, um, that's, I think, I think Pastor said, um, over 70% of you now are, are, are in that app and, and being able to do that. So you have that ability to give. If you're watching us online, uh, we would invite you to be able to give in, in that manner as well. Um, we appreciate your donations to continue the work of the kingdom of God. 
here in this area and around the world. Quite frankly, we, uh, we, we through the Open Bible Churches, we do support missions and such. Uh, Jerry, would you offer a prayer for the, um, uh, the offering this morning? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So after you've had an opportunity to give, you can, you can be dismissed. You can grab your kids from uh, downstairs and, and such. Uh, and remember that there's the sign-up sheet for VBS, and then there's also the fundraiser board. So uh, grab, a, grab an envelope and, or two, you know, whatever you want to get there, and help make a difference for that, and maybe volunteer as well. So thank you all. We'll see you next week. Hope you have a great week.